This morning we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark. If you have your Bible, please turn there to Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, may I please encourage you to take advantage of the Bible located right in front of you in the chair rack there and turn to around page 715. We're on a journey together, a journey of radical shift back to the core of the gospel. Jesus is on a journey with his disciples. This is towards the end of his ministry and earthly life, and he's traveling with them towards Jerusalem to the fulfillment of his sentness here to earth to culminate with the cross and the empty tomb. We'll be celebrating that together as a congregation in a couple of weeks. We have a Good Friday service a week from Friday, multi-church Good Friday, and then, of course, a week from, two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. And while Jesus is journeying with his disciples towards Jerusalem, he uses it as an opportunity to, to speak to them regarding really core issues of the gospel. He's primarily concerned with the times that he spends alone with the disciples, and yet we find him as well interacting with the broader religious authorities of the day and the crowds. In Mark chapter 10... It tells us, beginning in verse 1, that Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. And again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Just a little bit of context here. Jesus is traveling southward. He's coming over over the hills, and he's into now the region which would be known as Perea, and he is in the region where Herod Antipas is ruling uh, there on behalf of the Roman Empire, um, ruling in that region. If you want to know a little bit more about Herod Antipas, all you have to do is look back earlier in the Gospel of Mark to uh, Mark chapter 6. And uh, Herod Antipas is the one who John the Baptist uh, defied um, with the prophetic pronouncement about Herod Antipas's um, marriage to Herodias, uh, who had been married to Herod's brother Philip, and it was a mess. And it was because of John the Baptist standing up to Herod that he was first imprisoned and then eventually executed.
So there's a little bit of context here that we need to understand historically even as we come then into what happens next. Verse 2 tells us some Pharisees came and tested him. The Pharisees, as teachers of the law, were not uh, interested in, um, you know, just uh, what they were interested in was they were interested in tripping up Jesus. They were... They were very intent upon pulling him into a variety of different controversies, either religious or political, for the purpose of undoing his ministry. And once again, they're at it here in Mark chapter 10. When they test him and ask him this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Now, there are all kinds of layers to that question. Again, one of the layers is the context which I just gave you historically, which is Jesus is here in Herod Antipas's, uh, under under his area of rulership, and anything Jesus says here is going to be reported back to Herod Antipas, and it's quite likely that the Pharisees are hoping that Jesus will say something that will get him into trouble with the Roman authorities, and specifically with Herod, who they already have seen kill one of the prophets, John the Baptist. The other, of course, is the religious controversy that surrounds the issue of divorce in, the, uh, in, in Jewish culture. There's the issue of, um, well, Jesus comes back and answers him. Let's, let's get to this first. What did Moses command you, he replied. So what did Moses command you? What was his commandment? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus says it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Now this morning, the core shift that we are talking about and going to be discussing together, is the shift of an undivided heart. And the context for our conversation this morning is Jesus' teaching here that he does on the area of marriage. Jesus' primary concern here has to do with marriage. Now, the background here is Deuteronomy chapter 24. What did Moses command? Well, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, you get Moses' instruction there. It's, 
It tells us if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, and if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband, who divorced her, is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So Moses here is writing and giving instruction to the nation of Israel about this issue of divorce. And all these years later, the Pharisees, who are the teachers of the law, are still seeking to unpack what Moses had said. And so there were two primary schools of thought related to this issue, specifically that first line, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her. Now the one school of thought, Shemael's, as a rabbi, his school of thought was that the only... reason for a man to divorce his wife was marital unfaithfulness, infidelity. And so they looked at Moses' instruction and took it from the very narrowest viewpoint, the strictest construction of what Moses said here. There was another school of thought under another famous rabbi, Hillel, who took the opposite, as it were, tactic, and said that a man could divorce his wife if she becomes displeasing to him, and that displeasingness could be related to virtually anything, including burning his toast in the morning for breakfast would be sufficient grounds for divorce. Note that one of the realities here is that within the cultural construct, only the man was even given the opportunity, as it were, the legal opportunity to initiate the process of divorce. And the woman would be issued this certificate of divorce in order to show that it had been legally done. But once again, Jesus, remember when Jesus asks a question, it's not because... He doesn't know the answer. He's asking questions in order to begin to reveal hearts. And in verse 5 here, Jesus begins 
to go after the true heart of the matter. He says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. This morning, I want like to speak to you prophetically to the issue of marriage, but also to the issue of our hearts, or perhaps more even specifically to the issue of our hearts. Because Jesus cuts through all of the trees or all of the, you know, all all of the distractions to get right at the core of the issue. Notice what he says next. Jesus replied. But at the beginning, verse 6, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So the first thing that I want to talk about here this morning has to do with the covenant of marriage. The covenant of marriage. Three things that we're going to talk about here that Jesus roots and establishes back in the Genesis account. So he goes, as it were, beyond where Moses, and he says Moses permitted this. This was not God's original intention. It was not his purpose. Moses permitted this because of the hardness, because of, and and that's, by the way, a very specific legal term there when he talks about hardness of heart. Hardness of heart means wickedness and weakness, which, by the way, is the number one killer in every generation and in every culture for all time. Bigger than cancer, bigger than physical heart attack issues, bigger than anything else. The number one killer of mankind from all time has to do with hardness of heart. And it is a universal condition that we all have. God wants to address that in our lives this morning. My heart trembles. And when I begin with that prayer, batter my heart. I pray that for my own heart first. That the spirit of conviction would come upon us 
in order to break open our hearts so that He can pour in the balm of His grace and healing today. Because many of you here this morning are hurting. Some of you as the consequences of the hardness of your own heart. Some of you because of the consequences of the hardness of heart of those whom you have loved. And into the midst of that, the Lord speaks to us today. And He begins by reminding us of the true meaning of the covenant of marriage. The first thing that we need to understand here this morning is that marriage is envisioned in God's heart. It was He who said, the Lord God, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Marriage is not simply a social human construct. It has been established by and envisioned by the Lord God Himself. From creation. That man should not be alone, so therefore I will make a helper suitable for him. God lives in eternal community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when He created man, male and female, He created them and placed them together to be in community, to be welcomed into the community of God. That is why it is not good. It was not good for man to be alone. There needed to be that help meet for Him. And out of that comes the family of God, humanity. Whether married or not, it is not good for us to be in isolation. But we are created to be in community because it was envisioned as a part of God's heart for us. Marriage is to express True oneness. Here, for this reason, and Jesus quotes it here, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. That's an amazing statement. They felt no shame. But it speaks of intimacy, a true intimacy, where there are no veils, there are no walls, there are no separations. There is a oneness of intimacy. The knowing of one another in that place of deep intimacy. And it's Intended for permanency. This is the heart intention of God. Thirdly, 
Marriage is intended to then extend the reign of God. That's the whole purpose of him creating them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. And he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Continue to increase and extend my reign. Marriage is not about just us four and no more. Or us two and no more. It's intended to extend the reign of God, to be fruitful, to multiply out of the oneness that He creates in a couple. Yes, there may be physical children that will be a concrete expression of that, but that can be in all kinds of different ways that God can raise up spiritual children. I met someone this week. I just happened to be talking to them about families and this person is a believer and older person and she said oh yeah well i've got you know i've got a couple of stepsons then i've got you know there was a couple of kids that grew up in a broken family across the alley from ours and they really became a part of our home and and i've got those kids and then i've got this other uh young man who we mentored and you know what all of these different said i don't have any biological children but i got five kids Marriage is intended to extend the reign of God. This is the covenant of marriage. Verse 10. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. So now they're back alone. They've come away from the crowd, away from the Pharisees. And he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Let's talk for a few moments about the crisis in marriage. We talked about the covenant of marriage. We also need to talk about the crisis in marriage. And Jesus begins by, again in his conversation with the Pharisees, going directly after the heart of the issue, which is hardness of heart. And as I mentioned to you earlier, that hardness of heart has to do with both wickedness and weakness. Sometimes it's outright rebellion and sometimes it's simply brokenness. And the fact of the matter is, it is a reality in every one of our lives, this hardness of heart. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Hebrews 3, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
just open our hearts for a moment here. Jesus, today we hear your voice. And God, hmm. I'm profoundly aware, Lord, of all of the questions and all of the connections attached this morning to even the topic of which we are discussing. But Lord, I ask you to go deep into us and bring revelation even right now Beyond any shame, beyond any pain. Lord, go right to the very core of our hearts today and open us up, O Lord, by your spirit of conviction and invite us, O Lord, to respond to you. as we need to. With repentance, with receiving, with obedience, with surrender, with dependence, relinquishment come spirit of God come come we pray for one another Lord recognizing God that you have placed us in community even this morning you placed us right here in this community right now to receive together and we need each other Lord We need one another, oh God. We need your help. We need the community to help us, oh God. In our brokenness, God. We need the community to help us. Come and help us, God. I'm going to ask Cherry to come, please. Cherry, it's a testimony of something the Lord's been working in her marriage, and Chris is coming with her. They just came back from the retreat, and uh, Cherry and I had some conversation this week, and out of that I just felt very clearly that um, she had a testimony to bring to us this morning that would be so helpful in what the Lord is speaking to us today. Thanks. Um, as we were singing that song that Glory, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. That song, those words really did speak to what this testimony is about, where God made a transformation in our inmost being. And we are here to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. This is a testimony today. This is a testimony today of of what the Lord has done. Early on, when we faced a crisis in our marriage, I desperately wanted to get out. And I wanted to leave. But as I interacted with the word of God, including some of these very scriptures that pastors brought today, 
The Spirit of God made it abundantly clear to me that I was to remain, that I was to stay. And so in obedience to the word, I stood. And I stayed in my marriage. And God showed me behaviors that I had that weren't helpful. And so I would, uh, seeing those, I would, please forgive me, for those very blatant offenses that I knew that the word of God said that I ought not to be doing. Please forgive me. And, um, And there were some very distinctive behaviors that I had to keep saying, please forgive me. And uh, we lived like that for a while, and our marriage survived. Uh, Please forgive me. But then, but then, God started to work deeper in my heart and through very faithful friends who would lovingly point out that attitude was contemptuous, that tone was contemptuous, and I interacted with the word of God, I saw that there were mindsets and attitudes that I had. And I uh, had to confess, I had no right or responsibility for Chris's happiness. I had no right to demand healing change in him. And I had to confess those things as sin because they hindered my marriage. Please forgive me. And, and God was working at some of those attitudes as he pulled back from behaviors, and I stepped closer to my husband. He showed me the, the attitudes of my heart that were hurtful to my marriage. And we began to do more than just survive. We began to have a little bit more <clears throat> fun and um, enjoyment in our relationship. And the word of God was between us, and the word of God helped us stand. But then something even more powerful happened as God was stripping away those layers of my heart. And when you sing that song, Change My Heart, O God, you know, sometimes it's just words, but sometimes it's from the heart and God listens. And so he began to change my heart. And the word of God began to dwell between us. And I, that that scripture from Genesis 2.18 God took me through a period of really understanding that to be his helper, to be his helpmate. And as I obeyed that word, I turned to face my husband physically, emotionally, and spiritually because I was called to be his counterpart in a face-to-face relationship with him. And as I turned to do that in my heart and even in my body posture, God did something greater. He stripped away a, a, a deepness within me. And I was as I interacted with my husband in this way, and the word of God was between us, I started to see how my sin, how, how little things, how tones and attitudes and, and um, thoughts even wounded his heart because I was looking face to face to him. I could see the image of God in him, regardless of what he did or did not do. I could see the image of God in him and desired to honor that. And I saw how my little, little offenses wounded his heart. And I so did not want to break his heart. I so did not want to. And as God transformed me to be the woman of God and the wife that he desired me to be for Chris, the the deep sorrow came and um, of how 
my hardness of heart on various levels had wounded this relationship, had caused crisis, and God brought me in his loving kindness. God showed me these things, and in his loving kindness, he brought me to repentance. And the more I saw in my lover's eyes the things that hurt him, the more I desired to surrender those things and to move closer to him. And not to be self, but to be in the oneness of marriage because I could see how it wounded his soul and how it wounded the soul of God. And it's from that place that we've been been living. It's from that place that we experience oneness because conviction of standing on the word became about covenant and the power of God. The, the truth of the spirit met the power of love and it's been a forever transformation and we continue on in it and we're not surviving anymore. We're thriving We're thriving, and not just in our own relationship, but in relationship to God as he shows us how our offenses wound his heart. Our offenses wound his heart. He brings godly sorrow so that we can change those things. And as we we see that, people, it, it moves the heart to want to surrender, to want to relinquish, to want to listen up to want to be faithful. And that's our testimony. Something Cherry said at the end there is very important for us to see because it's more than just about her relationship with Chris. It's about her and Chris's relationship with the Lord and our relationship with the Lord. And the issue for us this morning is not simply, this message is not simply for those of you that are married. It's for all of us. The second crisis in marriage, and this comes very clear in our next passage. Secondly, there is the issue of unfaithfulness. And Malachi the prophet says this, Another thing that you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because He no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you've broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are His. And why one? Because He was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. And this is not simply, again, between a man and a woman. It is between God Himself and His bride. And He calls us 
to him and to his heart. God weeps over separation. Whether it's separation between him and his children or separation between his children, he weeps. Hear what the Lord is saying this morning. He hates divorce. He does not hate divorced people. Do not misunderstand what's being said here this morning. And most every person, and I've been a pastor of this church for 20 years, so I know the stories, I know your hearts, I know the tears, I've wept with you, I know that. And I could bring many of you up here and you would bring testimony that God does hate divorce. You have lived with the consequences of that brokenness. And your hearts have been shattered. Divorce means literally to throw away or to cast aside. And that's what was happening in the Jewish culture as men would just cast aside women and place them into a position of almost forced adultery where there was no economic opportunity for them to even make their way or care for their children or do anything. It was horrible. For that reason, the certificate of divorce was given to say that this person, at least, it was illegal, so they, there would be some opportunity for them to find life again. Jesus says in Matthew, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery and so here we are again in the whole cultural context he causes her to commit adultery because to become an adulteress because there's no choice this morning the point of the message is not to try to unpack all of it, and there's many other scriptures that we could go to this morning that talk about the issues of marriage and divorce. And many of you have explored them and know them very well. The point of this message is not to try to erect some kind of a a new legal uh, framework. The point of this message is to allow the weight of the Word of God to batter our hearts today in the area of our own unfaithfulness before Him. For He longs to give us an undivided heart. In the top of your bulletin, I have I asked Liz to put that scripture from Psalm 86.11, which is one of my... Favorite life verses, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. 
Give me an undivided heart that I might fear Your name. Lord, give me an undivided heart. Jesus, give us an undivided heart. We cry out to You. Lord, have mercy, forgive us, and help us, God. Have mercy, help us. Over these last five weeks, we've looked at several core shifts. The first, the call to surrender in dying to live. The second, obedience and the call to listen up. Dependence and the call to presence, not program. And the shift of relinquishment and the call to have an attitude adjustment. This morning in the call to have an undivided heart. The core shift that God is looking for in your and my life is the shift to fidelity. It's the shift into faithfulness with Him. And then that fidelity as it it is worked out in our relationships with one another. Change my heart, oh God. Give me an undivided heart, oh Lord, that I might fear your name. Want to walk in your truth, oh God. I want to walk in your way. Lord, I stand before you and before your people. Lord, and repent of the own infidelities of my own heart, O God. And the ways, O God, that I have not walked in full faithfulness to You. Lord, I am profoundly grateful for the wife of my youth that You have given to me. And the opportunity that You have given us to walk in intimacy and fidelity for 27 years. Thank You, God. I treasure her. Yet, Lord, I recognize even there that, God, You have yet 
changes within my own heart to do, to love her more fully and deeply and to cherish her more profoundly than I already do. Help me, God, and forgive me, Lord, for those times in word or attitude, God, that I have harmed. Sometimes, even unconsciously, God, have mercy. Lord, I long for deeper faithfulness in my relationship with you. Lord, that you would give me an undivided heart. That, Lord, all the other lovers that call to all of us Pleasure and power and possessions and performance and a thousand other P's that call to our attention, God. Forgive us. Have mercy on us, God. Forgive us, Lord. We welcome your spirit of conviction right now. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. May your kindness encircle us this morning. The love that we have sung of, the all-consuming fire of your love, come and consume us right now. And bring us to repentance before you, God. Son of David, have mercy and forgive us, please. Please, Lord. We long... To walk in purity before you. In unity of heart, in oneness. I want you to know I share this and open my heart to you with open hands. And I'm going to do an invitation to the altar right now, and I don't want the worship team to come quite yet. And um, I do not want you to be moved by my own human response to the Lord. I know that as the Lord is speaking to your own heart right now, And you feel the call and the conviction of the Lord in your own heart. And you want to come to this altar in repentance before Him. And once again, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I long for fidelity. I cannot do it in my own strength, but God, I long 
for you to work your work. I long for you to give me an undivided heart. I long for you to give me a singleness and oneness of heart. If that is the cry of your heart this morning, would you just come this morning, right now, just come to the altar Just come and just kneel before him. It is important sometimes to take a step. To just take a step. Come. 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 God have mercy. Have mercy. Um, to be before Him and stand before Him naked and without shame. Lord, here we are as we are. We have nothing to hide from You. There's nothing we can hide. You know us. And Lord, You know our hearts. Thank You, Jesus, that You are greater than our hearts. Thank You, God, that You are greater than our hearts. What would we do if You were not greater than our hearts? Scripture says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is healing. There is cleansing. There is forgiveness. There is restoration. There is hope. There is wholeness. This is his heart. Jesus.
Lord, this morning, as your word goes into our hearts, I ask that you would guard it and protect it. And Lord, while we welcome the spirit of conviction to come, I pray that you would also put a protection that no spirit of condemnation would come to corrupt the word, the pure word that you have. We know that the enemy comes to condemn, but Jesus, you have come to, con- come to bring conviction. Your conviction brings life. So we ask for godly sorrow that leads to life, rather than any worldly sorrow in us, God, that would lead rather to further bondage. Jesus, so God, I, I can't sort that out, but you can in the hearts of all that gathered here. Lord, there are literally dozens, hundreds of stories right here in this room. And God, in a word like this, Lord, we depend on you to come and sort that through in every heart now, God. Jesus, that you would work what you have to work, God, in each one. And Lord, for the one, or the ones, Lord, This morning, who may be walking in a place of rebellion, God, I pray that you would batter through, Lord, the the protective shield that has become a prison. And God, bring life. And Lord, to the one who is completely broken and undone, this morning, the many, God, who are undone, who have been undone, who've experienced the pain of desertion and divorce and division, Lord, in their homes, God. Would you come this morning, God, and bring healing today, God? Would you bring healing, God, deep, Lord, healing into those hearts and souls that have been broken, oh God, in the most vulnerable places, God, come. Come, Lord. Come. Come, Jesus. Come. Come. Lord, I just ask for the covering over your body today. A covering of grace and mercy. A covering of healing. Lord, this is a year of restoration. Come, God. You are the restorer. Dave, if you would just come, I just need just some quiet guitar in the background. I'm going to give a benediction here in a moment. Before everybody, just wait just a moment more here, if you could. Those of you that are coming to Annette in my home today, please join us. We welcome you. We Look forward to spending time with you. We'll be there very shortly, and some of us will, at least one of us will. So just come and join us there, and we just welcome you to our home today. Even if you're just letting us know right now or you're visiting for the first time today, come. Please come.
There's just a holiness around this moment that I don't want to break, and so I'm going to ask you, after I give the benediction, if you need to go, which is just fine. You are certainly released. I know that there's other things to attend to and children and various things. If you are at the altar and your children are back, don't worry. Somebody will keep caring for them until you get there. We won't let them go out into the street or anything. So. <laughs> But if you'd hold your visiting, any visiting you do, and keep the doors shut, if you would, just to protect this place and space today. Would you just open your hands as we, as I just pray a prayer of blessing and benediction over us this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. thinking of that song we sung in the past. You know, who, who have I but you, Lord? Who have we but you, God? Where else are we going to turn for the words of eternal life? There's nowhere else we can go. The world has no answers for us. Our own hearts are barren, God. They're just Cracked cisterns, there's nothing there for us to draw upon. Only you are the wellspring of life. Only in you is there true living waters. Come, water our souls today. Feed us, Jesus. Now may the immeasurable love of God the Father and the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son and the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours. Go under the banner of His favor. Go under the goodness of the Lord. Go under His grace and mercy and blessing now. Go, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go, with the name of Jesus on your lips and in your heart. Give us an undivided heart, O oh God, by your grace. In Jesus' name, I bless you, people of God. Amen.